0: Dr. Harris, welcome to the You podcast, number six, I believe.
1: This is it very formal now because you've said Dr. Harris. Yeah. Not Dr. Dawn.
0: Harris. It makes me feel quite quite nervous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> number six, yeah. Let's do it again. Number, number, six. Six. number
0: six. six, number six, number six. Okay. <laughs> um I am in the very fortunate position, uh, Dawn, where I get to spend four days a week. Um, at our, our joint home in mm-hmm. Perth at Kedris Clinics. Yeah. Um, but I'm really aware that people who are listening or uh, watching um, the podcast won't know who you are. So I would just love if you would take a couple of minutes to introduce yourself, who
2: you are, yeah. um, uh, and, and why you're joining us today. Well, right, okay. So I am a forensic clinical psychologist, which means that I have sort of two hats on. So I work with people. Well, I not I don't work with them anymore, but I assess people who have um, committed crimes mm-hmm. and I write reports um, to help the court sentence them. So I work predominantly in the high court, um, writing reports for individuals that are facing life sentences and very serious violent and sexual offences. And then my other hat, I work with people who have a history of trauma, so psychological trauma, so that's why I set up Kedra's Clinics. But I'd like to take you through my journey about why I'm here. Absolutely. And if okay. So I started um, on this journey to where I am today, many years ago now. And uh, it all started when I went into, I was a social worker. And then I was down in London on trying to climb the corporate ladder of Thresher's Wine Merchants. And I don't know if you two remember Thresher Wine Merchants. I don't think you were made because- it's No, I'm like- too young, oh, I'm too young. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, I was on that corporate ladder and um, I was a victim of a really bad um, offense and armed robbery in, the, in my very first shop on my very first day. And I, as part of my recovery, I, um, I got to know a psychiatrist there who came into the shop and it was him that told me to come back to Scotland and to go back into psychology my first degree so i came back up and i went actually back into social work was there for 6 years as criminal justice social worker and then went back into psychology and then i done some more degrees and a doctorate so that brought me to working in the prison service where i spent 9 years working with men and women who had committed serious offences and i became head of psychology in, in a few prisons and i Came to the end of the road so i went to private practice i've been in private practice now for 14 years and in that time i have worked with people who've experienced trauma and i had a hospital i set up my hospital of my own in which i worked with people with histories of complex trauma and personality disorders and we we formulated so we worked out individuals problems not based on their labels their diagnostic labels but more on you know how they were presenting to us so it was a case of a looking through everyone through a trauma-informed lens so what happened to you you know not what's wrong with you i don't want yeah. to know about your label i want to know what's happened to you the person that you are here today in the hospital we want to get to know you as opposed to let's just see you as another label so that's what the hospital was all about and i trained everybody in the hospital in understanding trauma from the board um, to the cleaners to chefs so everybody that met with those individuals could could um interact with them from a trauma-informed perspective the hospital got sold I came back into private practice and then I decided I'd had enough of um that type of life stressful life corporate life everyone to call it so decided I would just continue to have my own practice in Perth I would go along to retirement I'd have a nice little retreat somewhere do that and um I would then just slowly go into the where I live at the moment and just write a book or two and love life However. I went to a conference um, and it just so happened that somebody sparked my interest in trying to um, I don't know dip my toe back into the business world again and to start to open up some clinics that again focused on working with people who've experienced trauma or working with people who've experienced adverse life events that maybe don't see it as trauma but their functioning has been impacted Um, and using as Maeve knows uh, a very it's not new because it's been around for 50 or so years but using uh, a psychotherapeutic technique called um, neurofeedback and that's why I set up the clinics that's this is a long explanation to why I'm here and who I am but it's quite a journey and it helps you to understand I suppose what drives me what motivates me and because I've been doing so much self-reflection over the years that you know I think I've got that point of just so that's why I'm here today I mean really basically because I like helping people
1: I, yeah. I, I've got so many questions already yeah there's so
2: much to unpack there there's so
1: much to unpick, there, there is so much to unpick. Okay. uh do, do you want to
0: go first or no you can go first
1: um so I am fascinated by the latter part of that introduction dawn so where you talk about having this vision of kind of calming down <laughs> and <laughs> gradually kind of relaxing uh, into the real real world again um, yeah. and yet you're compelled something compels you to keep driving forward to to keep making progress in kind of this other world mm. how do how do you how do you personally square that because i think that would resonate with a lot of people yeah. who have a vision of how they want their life to be and somehow either feel constrained restricted limited or compelled yeah, yeah,
0: to absolutely. just
1: keep going and yet there's this friction so i'm just i'm just curious on that point alone and um yeah and, and lots of other things especially <laughs> about the criminal stuff which is fascinating but but if we could start there that would be amazing
2: so what continues to compel me forward like absolutely. this you know what i think it is i think it's probably maybe other people will resonate with this, but I think it's all down to childhood. Um, I think it's all down to the fact that as a child, I was labeled abysm. Um, I was labeled somebody who um, was difficult and very opinionated and very determined. And I didn't particularly like the the label of being abysm. <laughs> uh, and I think that from then on I have tried to interact with the world from a place where there is no labels and where there are no labels and I'm quite determined to continue to do that because I think on my own reflections I was sort of put into a box because of the way that I was perceived yeah. and I became that person not because it was who I was but it, I became them and so I think the The compulsion comes from, I don't want anybody to experience what I experienced. I would like people to be able to come to a place like Kedros, and to be able to be seen for who they are as opposed to who people have told them they are And, and to dig deeper into what drives them, what motivates them and to help them to figure out, I suppose, along the line, you know, what do they think in terms of their life, where would they like to be? Where would they like to be if they thought, if we could actually address your childhood stuff, if we could go back to, we don't have to go back in terms of revisiting everything, but if we could work out what was driving you, what motivates you, how could we then change that so you could become the person that you probably always wanted to be, but never been able to be. Now, I'm not saying that we say to people, you've got to change. It's more about how can we make you happier within yourself? You know, what is it? That we need to help you to address, to understand, so that you can become that person that maybe nobody has allowed you to be before, including yeah. yourself. And so I suppose that's, that's what compels me.
1: And I think that yeah, the, the label sings, yeah, d- drives me mad um, yeah. because, because it's so static, it's right? Static, and, and actually, yeah. life is dynamic, and it and it and it there's immense flux in life, right? Yeah. So so even hour by hour, let alone week by week, month by month, you you, you transform as an individual up and down, right? So Absolutely. trying to label that at any one point in time is irresponsible and really unhelpful, right?
0: And something you said there, Don, really um, struck me. And I think at you, we always talk about lived experience and experience being a really important factor of what we do here and um, being really important, but something around change, it is change possible, or do we just want to become happier with who we are, mm-hmm. um, and and that not being labelled or a diagnosis or um, anything around that, but just um, being happy with the experience that we have and, and what's driving us? Yeah. I
2: think that's actually really important, isn't it? Yeah, completely. And I think it's you've hit the nerve because I think it's about we all don't like none of us like change. Our brains don't like change. We don't like change. We find it very triggering. So I think coming into something like therapy, you know, people might think they're going to try to change me. But it isn't about that. It is. it's, It's like maybe as you said, it's about trying to accept who you are and all those parts of you and maybe what we do at Kedris, because we are your neurofeedback is we're working more on reducing anxiety and reducing those things that might impact on your functioning that stop you being that person who you are we're not saying reject yourself we're not saying reject parts of you or reject anybody in your what we're saying is let's just be with all parts of you, accept all parts of you um, and appreciate that you are this amazing individual who has probably got through so many different difficult things in your life. But, you know, life is now causing you problems because you can't concentrate, you can't focus. Um, Anxiety is getting in the way of you achieving something. Or it might be the case of, you know, you can't sleep or those are all symptoms of of. I don't know. It's not necessarily something that's wrong with you it's symptoms of some of I don't know life the environment saying that maybe things need to be a bit different for you and we need to calm down those stresses for you so that you can then grow develop become this amazing individual and um, who you currently are and continue to get better
0: absolutely and I had a, a great a great sort of mentor and role model in my life that used to say all parts welcome yes and I think that's a great kind of phrase that I've always kind of tried to play over in my head all the time that you know all parts are welcome all the time um, and yeah. no matter what those parts are even mm-hmm. if they're a little bit challenging or they they stick out from mm-hmm. the from the the norm and um, mm-hmm. that actually they're, it's okay to, to to have those parts so you, you've talked a little bit about neurofeedback Um so obviously I practice in the clinic with you Um mm-hmm. Dawn, so I, I know what neurofeedback is paul do you know what neurofeedback is
1: i i we haven't got the time for me to explain it to you unfortunately <laughs> but I, what, what i'm gonna do is let dawn let explain dawn, it for
0: us so, so Dawn, um it's been around for 56 50, 50 yeah. 60 years now um what is neurofeedback?
2: well no yeah. oh, well <laughs> well <laughs>
0: let, let's get the cake
2: out and the tea <laughs> neurofeedback is the, one of the most amazing psychotherapeutic techniques I have ever come across. So I've been around for a long time. It's not a psychotherapy in itself. It's not in a modality that stands by itself. It's a psychotherapeutic tool technique, I would yeah. call it. And what neurofeedback does is that, well, the particular neurofeedback that I use and we use at Kedris is called infralow frequency neurofeedback. And what neurofeedback does is that it is a I would call it a digital technology, just like you guys are, are creating yeah. and, and um great 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 things in your world. Um, it's like a technology that is, I think it's making great waves in the psychotherapeutic world. But what it does is that it actually analyzes the brain's own brainwave frequency. So if you're looking at a screen, a a, t- a TV screen, the software that a therapist has in their computer is feeding the TV screen. And that software then literally interacts with the brain and its own brainwave frequency. So basically its own activity. So the brain, brainwaves are just communication within the brain. That's all that they are. And what the, the software that we use does is that it, it actually shows the brain its own activity. We don't see that. We're just watching an animation or a film or whatever we're watching, but the brain actually sees its own activity. so It sees its own communication, its own communication pathways. And as it starts to engage with itself more, just like we would do looking in a mirror, it starts to change based on the fact it doesn't particularly like what it sees. So neurofeedback is about your brain seeing parts of its own activity as being under aroused or over aroused, and changes it. And as a consequence, you start to naturally calm down and stabilize just by looking at a screen. Because it's like when, um, and we talk about this in the in the clinics, you know, it's like. When you walk past a mirror, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you might adjust something about yourself based on the fact you don't like your hair might be out of place or, you know, or an eyebrow or your mascara is run a bit and you would then change that. And then you think, oh, actually, I look better. The brain does the same. The brain has an inherent ability to heal. It doesn't like being off balance. It likes to be balanced and it loves to control its environment, loves it. All the time it's looking around the environment, what can it control? And then it will interact with that. So neurofeedback just literally takes that theory and uses it. So when the brain is looking at itself, it then starts to adjust its own frequencies, basically, its own communication pathways. And consequently, the person who's watching the TV screen starts to calm down. So their anxiety goes down, their tension goes down they feel better, they feel um, calmer, they feel more stable, their thoughts can start to reduce, you know, ruminating thoughts can start to yeah. reduce, their yeah. voices can go down, etc. as the brain starts to calm itself down. So it's inherent ability to heal.
0: And just to give Paul an idea, I, I, I've worked with people who maybe on the first day of having neurofeedback sleep better on the first time
2: yeah. of,
0: of having neurofeedback, yeah. which we don't see often in regular you know, routine therapies. No, so it's a really incredible, incredible type of uh, psychotherapy uh, I, tool. I love,
1: and I love that idea of, you know, looking in the mirror and making adjustments. I mean, and that, yeah. that's so simple to understand for the layman. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it sounds like it's, yeah, super impactful. Yeah, it's,
2: quite, it's a yeah. very powerful tool. It's an incredibly, par- incredibly powerful. And Maeve's right, people can see differences after one session. And I've had, I can give you loads of examples, but, you know, I've had teenagers in here who's, who've had voices that have calmed down on the first session you know we've had people with huge amounts of anxiety go away feeling calmer after their first session I've treated people with ADHD, ADD, OCD, personality disorders, complex trauma and there isn't one person that I have worked with who hasn't had some sort of an impact working with neurofeedback with me but I and I think there's various protocols to 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 use in neurofeedback. You know, you can have this first stage, I suppose, of you calming down the body, so calming down sensations in the body, you calm down mental thoughts and rumination and racing thoughts, you calm down emotions and emotional reactivity to things. But the second stage of it is you then use something in in I L F neurofeedback, in so infralow frequency neurofeedback, in called synchrony where you, um, again, it's an amazing, powerful thing as well. You're literally looking at the screen and the brain starts to actually like what it sees more. So as a result, you start to accept all parts of you more and you start to enjoy being around others. Now, anybody who's experienced any problems with themselves in any capacity, will know that it can be very difficult to interact with people when you're feeling low, mm-hmm. um, stressed, and you're not sleeping, you're irritated, everything's on top of you. What goes first is your relationships with others. And the people who get it most are your loved ones, the people that are closest to you yeah. will get your most irritation. And as we calm the brain down, that does improve. But the best relationship, I would say to people, the best relationship you're ever going to have is with yourself. Mm-hmm. See, once you've yeah. got that, everything yeah. else is so much easier and better. So what happens is we don't necessarily talk directly about, you know, when you go home, think about talking to your partner, spouse, children like this. We actually, I use synchrony a lot, which in itself helps the person to like themselves more, which is what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast. As a result of them starting to like themselves more and all parts of them, they start to see the world completely differently. And I'll give you an example. I worked with somebody and, and I know she wouldn't mind me sharing this because she, I, I have a, a video of her saying this with me that I use online. And she's she would say when she came into neurofeedback, she's a very, very clever lady, highly articulate, very high functioning. And she said every time we went on um, a Zoom call with my husband's friends. They're so, so clever. They're professors at universities and they're so, so clever. And I always felt really stupid. Now, I could have spent years saying to her, you're not stupid. You know, let's look at why you're not stupid and let's look at everything you but it's going to be working with the wrong part of the brain. So neurofeedback works within the depths of the brain. So it works in the limbic system and lower, even in the, you know, lower in the periaqueductal gray, we won't go into that, but it can work lower. And as a result of that, it's working in the areas of your brain in which the problems are. So we done a lot of synchrony with her and it worked on those parts of the brain that are about attachment. And afterwards she would say to me after her second session of synchrony, she said to me, we had a zoom call with my husband and his, very clever friends. And she said, for the first time in my life, Dawn, I realized that I'm just as clever. And now I can talk to them more. I don't now stay quiet. I actually have an opinion with them. And you know what? They listen to my opinion. And I hadn't wow. done anything. I'd just done synchrony with her. So it's incredibly, again, it's incredibly powerful. It's There's great. so many
1: synergies, Dawn, I was between just you that. know, you, yeah. you understood, you know, yeah. what, what we're trying to emphasize is Understanding yourself uh, as much as possible and being comfortable in that skin and yeah, whatever absolutely. hat that is, you know, or, or, that
0: consciousness, or, isn't it? That
1: consciousness, yeah. because if you can be uh, the best version of yourself and feel the most comfortable, mm-hmm. then you're going to interact with the outside world yeah. in a much more positive, meaningful way. Yeah. Um, all so parts, all parts, right? Yeah. And and so the the synergies are are uh, fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I think you're right, because I think that individuals with mental health difficulties or any difficulty doesn't have to be. Some people would say, you know, I'm stressed at work and not necessarily see that as a mental health problem. And it's not. It's because you have external stressors that are creating a difficulty for you. But a lot of people, for some reason, don't want to go and visit therapists or GPs to say, this is how I feel. And there is still the stigma. I know we've had this you know, this, oh gosh, um, media talking about, you know, it's okay to have mental health problems, etc. But we still continue to to deny ourselves the ability to heal, and the ability yeah. to yeah. say, you yeah. know, we can stand up and and we have problems, I don't handle stress very well, or I have been stressed, or I, I'm really depressed, or I can't sleep, or I find I can't communicate with people, and that's okay. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't stop saying I broke my toe or my foot. Yeah. So, you know, it is about us. And as you say, Paul, it's about us saying, you know, I have parts of me that I don't particularly like, is what mm-hmm. you were saying, Maeve, before. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've got a business part of me, but, you know, she's still me and she she remains me and she's probably driven me and got me to where I am today. And that's...
1: This this is really spooky because I I remember a conversation with somebody possibly three to four years back and it was a game-changing conversation and and it was almost part of a throwaway um, wider conversation. I had up to that point battled Dawn with what you're saying. So so I had always struggled because I always felt that um, there was immense pressure on me to be... A specific number of individuals, so a you know an employer, um, a, a provider of service in the business world, um, a friend, a husband, a father, uh, mm. a, 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 a sports person, uh, and all of those hats I felt sometimes were conflicting with each other and creating tension, creating stress and i remember part of this conversation it's so funny you mention it because um, i i'd thought about them independently up to that point yeah, and yeah. and somebody said to me but they're all you well like mm-hmm. what's the friction i don't understand they they're all you yeah. uh, but up to that point it sounds simple and when and and, and when you're thinking about it in the world uh, that 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 you you guys are in it's clear it's obvious right but 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 i think using me as an example of kind of joe public if you like i honestly hadn't thought about it in that way and i and i was in my mid 40s until that realization said hold on i can look at this in a different way that's actually a more positive way to look at it right and 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 so Bringing that realization, raising the awareness that this isn't abnormal, and that this is something that can be looked at through a different optic, I think is really important and really helpful conversation to have for everyone. Right? Yeah.
0: And I think Don. I don't know about you, but I think some of the clients that I see, I think having that separation actually causes more harm yeah. than than good. And Absolutely. I think once you start to bring all those pieces together and and have a that sort of realized moment where you say actually these are all part of me, mm-hmm. and it's a good thing, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, Absolutely. and that actually brings healing. Like you say, like, that's such a really healing moment yes. when you have that kind of epiphany, if you like. Yes. These are yeah. all part of me, and that's, that's actually all right. And people might like you for different parts of you, but that's mm-hmm. actually all
2: right too, because that's on them, not you. Yeah. yeah, completely and utterly, yeah. And I think that's what I love about, you know, doing therapy, I love it when people um, get that realization, have that epiphany and accept all those parts of them, smaller parts, adult parts, teenage parts, adolescent parts, all the parts that we have had throughout our lives that we've tried to maybe suppress, put away, hide or hide from, you know, we're like, well, as you say, Maeve, you know, if you don't like it, then that's who I am, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's me. And I need Absolutely. to, I don't want to change because you don't like that part of me because, well, how's that going to help anybody? You then could leave my life and I've changed for you. So, well, where does that leave me? Because now the next person that comes along doesn't like me anymore. That's because powerful. You know, powerful, yeah. you changed yeah. me. So it's it's about you need to remain consistent mm-hmm. in who you are. And then once you start to love you, and I know people say it's a cliche, but it's, it's, it is about having that relationship with yourself. All parts it's of you. All,
1: authenticity, I, right?
2: Absolutely. It's like a jigsaw, isn't it? Mm. Well, like a jigsaw. And all those pieces of the jigsaw, we've got to have them there to create that whole. And if we throw some of them away, our jigsaw's not whole. And we yeah. will notice as we're interacting with people that we're not, as you say, Paul, authentic. And we'll feel it, even though it's at a subconscious level. We will feel that and we'll know something's not quite right. But I think that the ability sometimes to articulate our problems can be very difficult, particularly if you've experienced trauma or adverse life events. We know from the neurobiology that we can use the capacity to talk about things and understand things. We we, we lose the ability to have words. So Broca's area on the left of your brain can be affected. And as a result of that, you can really struggle to be able to say, this is what my problem is, because really sometimes you just don't know what the problem is. And
0: just to pick up on that point, Dawn, um we talk a lot in, in our practice about how, how trauma is stored in the body. Yeah. So if you lose the ability to talk about, you know, how you feel, you might actually store that tension, that trauma, that anxiety in the body. And I was trying to explain to Paul earlier on about what that might mean, and it just saw the blank look in yeah. his face. <laughs> so maybe you'll have better luck at um, explaining that to him. Um, but uh, what what do we mean by that kind of um, inability to express, maybe verbally, but maybe yeah. the the ability, maybe, maybe that's all been held in the body somewhere
2: yeah the ability to express things is i mean we we know from the literature we know from people's experience clinically and we know from the literature that you know the body and the brain they're communicating all the time we yeah. know this we know the whole bit about um the vagal nerve and how where that goes it goes into the gut etc so and for example we know that 95% of serotonin sits in your gut yeah. so we know that then that goes up to the brain so serotonin as in the the hormone associated with mood is sitting in your gut so if you're having a problem with mood and like depression or anxiety you're going to feel that within your gut it's not in your brain necessarily it's in your body and if you ignore it what will happen is that sensation will continue will continue will continue and what you will do will try to fight it deny it ignore it and think oh i'll take a pill or i'll go to the doctor i've got a stomachache." but in actual fact your body is your main vehicle of giving you a message that something isn't right. Your brain can take you here, there, and everywhere. It can take you in mazes. It can take you down the wrong path. You can play around with it. It can be manipulated. But you see your body, it always holds the truth. That is where you go for the answer. So I've got a, a great saying. I say to people, ask your body, not your brain what is wrong today? Or ask your body, not your brain, what would you like to do today? And what that means is you need to drop into feeling all parts of your body. And you will find that as you do that, sensations will just come up that will give you a message about what it is that you might want to talk about that day that earlier on your brain had not given you an answer to. But when you ask the body, the body straight away gives you an answer so the body talks
1: so dawn I this is resonating with me as well I I remember when we first started our journey there was um we 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 told a story a lot about humanity if you like um in 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 this day and age but a gradual evolution to this point being further disconnected so disconnected from ourselves disconnected from our relationships um disconnected from the environment from, from where we came. So this kind of great mass disconnection and um, you know, the ways that play out uh, and, and you you touched on some of them, when we think about the connection to ourselves is you, you can see it play out in a number of ways. So, so when we're tired, we won't go to bed because there's something exciting on television. So we're actually ignoring our bodies telling us, Uh, or, or when we're full uh, mm-hmm. and satisfied from a food perspective, there's still some food on our plate, right? And actually that dessert looks quite nice over there. So I'm just yeah. going to keep going, right? And yeah. even though the body is telling us actually we're good now, right? Um, so I feel like that's just one example and and, and you're, you're uh, emphasizing it but we've just lost connection. We're kind of disconnected from so many things. And it's bringing that self-consciousness back, that self-awareness that enables us to be the best version of ourselves. Right.
2: Absolutely. And I think you're so right. And there's, there's various levels to this and various ways of looking at this, because I think society and the way that we live now has made us disconnected Mm -hmm. because of the fact that we are so fast and furious in the way that we live. And, and I, Maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but um, in terms of social media, I think social media has had a huge impact because we create a generation of children that cannot communicate apart from on a a laptop or a computer or a phone. They have lost the ability to actually verbalize and talk to their their parents, their their peers. And I think that's a massive disconnect of us as social creatures. We are social creatures. We need to be around other people. We need to engage with them. We need to feel them. We need to talk to them, not type a message. And I think that's created a massive disconnect in our our society. But I also think because of the pace of life, we have got used to, as you say, Paul, ignoring our bodies mm-hmm. and just carrying on. And you know those stress executives that just keep going, keep going, Absolutely. keep going. Yes. The Badge of
1: honour, right? Badge of honour. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. yeah.
2: And it keep, yeah. and you just lose your body. Mm-hmm. And then when, and then in, and then over and above that, if you have a traumatic event, we know that a lot of people will numb out their bodies as a way of survival. Survival is about if I don't feel my body, you can't hurt me. Right. Yeah. If I don't feel my body, then I don't need to know or recognise that there's something wrong. I can just ignore it. But your body will continue to give you these messages that there is something wrong. Be it through anxiety, be it through fibromyalgia pain, be it through um, chronic pain, be it through back pain, be it through um, other types of you know body sensations that somebody might get. Be it that they, you know, they they really struggle with arthritis. These are all things that we know have got psychological basis to them, and that is the body oh. saying, "No, I'm done. I can't do this anymore." And you need to start listening to me it's because about
1: tuning in again, isn't yeah.
2: it? Yeah. it, it absolutely, it, it is. And we don't we don't do it. And if you ask somebody that anybody, ask any of your friends, how much do you uh, do you know what's going on in your body? No, no, I don't exist from so- here down
1: and so so you you you've been in this world now for a considerable amount of time i'm i'm always really curious to know you know you touched on it there again but have you seen um an increased prevalence of these challenges in society today versus you know back 15 years ago i mean is there a tangible difference between a very short period of time when you look at it
2: yeah, I, I actually think so, that there has, Paul. I really do, mm-hmm. and I actually think we're very unwell mm-hmm. as a as I a world, yeah. as a nation. Yeah. I really yeah. do, and i I think that that's one another reason that I decided to open up Kedrus clinics. Mm-hmm. I could not keep up with the demand, mm-hmm. and I could not keep up with the 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 complexity of difficulties that people were presenting with as well. And you know, a lot of people's problems, if you look at it in terms of a common theme, and you'll see this, Mave, it's relationship. Mm-hmm. Relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Attachment and relationships. Yeah. Huge, huge. Yeah. And, uh, and we know that there's the paradox of healing, which is relationships have hurt me, but relationships are also where I heal. Yeah. So yeah. how do yeah, I yeah, balance absolutely. that paradox? And I think in this society, we continue to encourage disconnecting relationships. And yet that's where we need to be to heal, to be warm, nurturing creatures. And we can't do that if we're continuing to be encouraged to watch TV at night, to watch all these strange things that are on TV and to engage in, in computers and laptops and video games. And and, and that's not helping our growth as, as a human race. And I, and I think I've noticed that yes. in terms of therapy.
0: And I would say as well is that the the sort of um, challenges that we're seeing at the clinic mm-hmm. um, and actually that we're seeing on the whole are more extreme Yeah. as well. So it's, you're not just... Um, been approached by, like, I work with children and young people, so I'm not just being approached by children and young people with, with um, problems I would have seen as a child. Um, yeah. They're now in the more extreme um, you know, of, of ends of things, and I think that that's proving that this is a very unwell world that we're, that we're okay. living in, it, it, there are more extreme problems with more complex um, realities.
1: But should, surely part of that challenge and the answer to that challenge, to some degree, is trying to flip the thought process from reaction to proactivity, right? So to prevention, Um, because otherwise, there's a tidal wave of necessity around remediation support. Um, And can can we genuinely address that in a meaningful way? Can we really provide help and support at the volume that's expected if we don't start to look at preventing that tidal wave in the first place. Um, and, and and that's, I guess that's a real concern of mine yeah. is that we kind of need to, to, to stop or, or try and prevent people crossing over into crisis. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, I think that's always been used. You understood, you know, ambition is to be, our aspiration is to be preventative yeah. and not, not prescriptive and not at crisis, but, but preventative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we are seeing huge numbers at the, the the clinic in terms of weight and less than things yeah. it shows you that there, there is crisis yeah um, for a lot of people but but prevention is absolutely where where the, the direction should go
1: definitely so so could, could you just give us a, a few minutes on the direction of kedra's clinics then yeah. and, and and the vision that you have and and um, how, how you think that will play out in the next few years
2: yeah I mean I'm hoping that you know we continue to so the first clinic is in perth and then hopefully the second one we're aiming to be in edinburgh and then so on and you know as as we start to grow throughout scotland and then maybe down into england and the channel islands and if i get my way into europe <laughs> <laughs> And potentially, South Africa. Bags of Europe. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> And South Africa, because my husband's South African. But that's where I'm hoping, because what I'd like to do is that we now have, I'm, I'm, I'd like Kedrus to be a psychotherapeutic practice with a difference. I think we've got a lot of psychotherapy practices around that do a very good job. I just have always been somebody, it's that Bism again driving forward, always been, always been somebody that's ahead of the curve for as far as I remember. And I think that's why I've come here to this place. And I'd like to be ahead of the curve again. And I think that that is going to be about combination of digital technology combined with psychedelics as we move forward. Because I think that one of the main um, difficulties in therapy is obstacles obstacles that people have, which is fear. I don't want to talk to you about my issues. I don't want you to see my shame. I don't want to cry in front of you. I don't want you to go to this deep, dark place that I try to stay away from all of my life, which is why I now have difficulties in my body and my brain. I don't want to do any of this. So you spend a lot of time trying to overcome obstacles. Now, Using ILF neurofeedback within the practice means that we can get through those obstacles a lot quicker because we're working at the subconscious level, which is where all the obstacles sit. So that's why I decided to introduce it. And then psychedelics will do the same thing because they're working when the neural pathways are open and you're able to then use psychotherapy to really help that person to be able to change and have a different perspective on things. So that ob- those obstacles that were there have been removed by using your feedback and psychedelics. But I'm not saying that they bash through everything. It's sort of very gentle, really, but it's powerful. Yeah. Um a powerful experience. I like Kedris to always stay ahead of the curve. So introducing neurofeedback and psychedelics is the first thing I'm going to do. Having therapists like Maeve and others who really understand people at a level that I think is is more than just a clinical level. It's a human
1: level.
2: And that's what I'm really wanting from the therapists. And Mm I know one of my future questions when I interview therapists is what can you feel in this room with us today in this interview room? Because I want people to be able to feel those individuals that are in the room with them. That's really important to me. So I think those things and having therapists that are really enthusiastic about Kedras, what we're doing, see it as a family. I'd like Kedrus to be a family growing together and having us all involved. It's not a case of it's a hierarchy, but it's a case of we're on this journey together. Yep. So let's see how we continue to grow it, evolve um, as, as a as a family and having different roles within that. That's another part of Kedris. And then, of course, I'm using You Understood amazing app. And it's helped me to be able to collect data because I think research is really important to me. And again, this is very, very different to a lot of psychotherapeutic and psychology practices. They're not interested. I'm not saying it's because they're not interested, but they just maybe not have the time or thought about it. But not many people integrate research or collection and collation of data into their practice. And I'm trying to make a difference, which is we're going to start doing that. We're going to collect data, collate it and analyze it using the you understood app as well as other databases. Because I think that that's really important to be able to say to people, you know, I'm not just saying to you that we're different. Um, Here's the data, you can't lie with data. And here it is. Yep. And also, yep. I think, you know, if you're paying for something, you need to know that it works, don't you? You don't go and Absolutely. buy a TV and say, well, you know, I need to know that this is gonna work. I need to see the data behind it or I need to know that when I'm spending this money that I'm getting something for my it money. It
1: needs to be evidence based, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it has, to, yeah.
2: be, it has Absolutely. to be. And I think and, they, and that sorry. empowers
1: you, right? That that yes, empowers you yeah. further. So 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 you yeah. can take that evidence, you can take that data and you can say, How do we continue to improve? How do we continue to go on the journey? And yeah. and being at the leading edge is is a, a, a multitude of, of of things. It's brave it's challenging, and sometimes it can be lonely. Um, But it's also exciting. But it's also exciting, absolutely. Um, So, you know, huge uh, admiration, and I applaud you for, for taking that stance, because without being brave, without pushing boundaries, without innovation without
0: being a mover and shaker
1: you stand still yeah right you mover stand and shaker still. i mover like that i'm going to use yeah. that yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. A- a- absolutely so i mean it sounds like hugely exciting hugely oh, exciting yeah. and 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 are you are you able to enjoy the journey or 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 is it actually damn it i need i need to hit this milestone this milestone because <laughs> i certainly from previous experience when i look back now I wish I'd have kind of paused a few more times yeah. and just yeah. sat back and, and enjoyed it, actually being in it versus being kind of part of it, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with you, Paul. When I sat up the hospital, nah, I was far too Nothing. in it yeah. to be able to enjoy any of it. I'm trying yeah. to learn from from that. Um, and trying to do things a bit differently with Kedras. I am, I'm sort of in both camps at the minute, I'm sort of like being a bit well overwhelmed and really busy. And um, so I'm not enjoying it as much. However, what I have done is Friday nights, and maybe we'll probably know this by now, but Friday nights are my night of relaxation where I have champagne every single Friday night with my husband, we sit down, we talk about the week and we talk about where we are, where we're going. And that's all we do. There's no TV. There's nothing. It's just a night of just the two of us sitting around either our bonfire or whatever, in a hot tub, whatever. And it's just our time to relax, but it's also our time to reflect. So the two of us reflect on our weeks and, and Brad, my husband, he tends to sort of talk me through everything to do with Kedrus because I I can move at the speed of lightning and I need to be calmed down. I've spoken to you guys about this and I think he's a very calming influence as well as other people around me. And I think that's an important part of my learning. I've learned to sit and and see what's happening as opposed to, as you say, Paul, right, I need to get the next one clinic. I I need to get the next therapist. I need to hurry up and do it. I'm like, no, 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 I need to just chill and just- And and sometimes
1: going slower actually believe it or not, I I think enables you to move faster. Um, And and when you try and do all those things that it sounds like you (laughs) you and I have been trying to do for many, many years, actually, it becomes uh, so overwhelming that all of a sudden you you stop, you do get that stop, that pause, and and it may be enforced or it may be um, something you're able to do, but you realize, my goodness, there's so much going on here. I'm actually not achieving anything. Yeah. whereas if i just yeah. slow down and do this one thing that might only represent two percent which doesn't feel good right to, to you and i two percent yeah. goodness that what, what you know rubbish, yeah. right uh, but guess what it's progress and yeah. and and it's quality it's progress. quality progress yeah. and if you achieve yeah. something it enables you to move to four and ten percent but you can be overwhelmed with there's so much i need to do here and actually achieve absolutely nothing so it's really Agreed. important to slow
0: Agreed. down yep. yeah
2: i completely
1: agree there's a great
0: great book called uh, think fast think slow yeah okay uh, So you I are such er, er, a reader you are i'm such a reader, reader I read everything so i recommend it to both of you i'm, I'm still on roger red hat <laughs> you're still roger on roger red hat i know yeah, i gave yeah. you a book last week to read pop quiz this morning and you missed it
2: <laughs> it was yeah, sorry, can I just say one more thing? I know Yeah, of, of course. course. Again, is that on, on this basis is that I was talking to somebody recently who's a, who was in the military and was talking to me about military strategy. And he was talking to me about somebody called John Boyd and um, the four elements, I don't know if you know of John Boyd's nope, nope. Nope. strategy. And, and it's sticking in my head now. I'm thinking, am I doing that? So <laughs> that the first one is to observe. Mm-hmm. The second stage is to orient. The third The third stage is to make a decision. And the fourth is to act. And then you start the loop again. So you observe, yeah, observe orient, orientate. you decide, and then you act. And then I like you like I love it. I like so I'm that. like, every day I'm like, am I observing today? Am i Am orienting? What am I doing? And I'm, I'm trying to put myself into this nice structured framework. So I'm hoping that that will help me, my thoughts racing everywhere and my, you know, hundred million miles an hour, that's yeah. gonna to sort of contain things a bit for me. So we'll see. And, and, and sometimes
1: pe- people get stuck at the uh, making a decision phase yeah. uh, because they're worried about is that going to be the right decision but i yeah. always say make the decision and if it's the wrong decision then at least you know through evidence that it's the wrong decision and you can yeah. circle back round to, the, to those other phases yes. and reapproach it from a different direction but if you get stuck at the decision phase whether it's right or wrong then you're in trouble because you you could stagnate there for a long long time right
0: but some people also get stuck at the observance phase and just the watch the yeah, world absolutely. go by yeah you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and never ever get to the orientating themselves to make that decision yeah. or to you know so i know lots of people like that <laughs> <laughs> i'm wasn't past them you know and they're like you standing you know just watching watching the world go by anyway shouldn't get into that <laughs> Um, Don, we are so um, thrilled to be part of your journey um, with Kedris, um, are you understood? And uh, even more thrilled that we've had this um, hour to speak to you. Thank you so much for for coming in. And uh, Paul thought he had nothing to say, and he hogged the mic the whole time. So, you know,
1: I, I, I'm surprised I didn't get switched off at some point.
2: <laughs> so thank, thank you so, you so much. much. Great to talk to you guys. I'm really yeah. excited about our journey and um, going forward with your app and Kedras Clinics. It's going to be amazing. Thank Absolutely. And much. the sun's still out in Perth, so have a have a lovely day, <laughs> and
0: um, I'll I'll uh, I'll see you in Perth very soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank take you. care. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.